All right, it's Rochelle and Carter with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. And today I'm excited because you're going to play a little piece of a movie for us, it looks mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I'm yeah. seeing that here. Um, Are you going to spoil it? You're going to spoil no, it? I promise I won't. But I actually recently saw on Disney Plus they have this props show. And there's this guy who collects these kinds of things for movies that he yeah. absolutely loves from Disney. Okay. And this movie that you're going to feature with today's podcast this is one of those films that he has collected. He's gone out of his way to collect things from this film. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. I... I find those things fascinating. By the way, welcome to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Uh, this is where we just walk through what we're going through spiritually and as two non-experts. I don't like it when you call us non-experts. We have to be experts at something. Okay, what are you, what do you think that you are an expert uh, at? Oh, man. Well, I'm an expert at, at finding fault in what you say. Yes, you are. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? I mean, for example, what you just said. No. We're experts at something. Okay, maybe. I I think I'm an expert at watching college football. I, mean, I know I know how to watch college football. I know the ins and outs of what times they start, how to change channels, true, that's what true. what games to watch or not waste your time on. It really does def- depend on how you define an expert and what kind of certification you have to go through the process. I have no formal stuff. training. I'm self-taught. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there is, uh, my, t- my training is by osmosis. I just, <laughs> Oh, Oh, interesting. It took a long time. It was way delayed. That was really delayed. That's not even a reaction. That shouldn't even count. <laughs> it's not like you were starting another conversation. I need to start another cup of Joe is probably what I need. So, uh, there is a movie in everybody's life. So you think about the movie, the, one of the big ones that you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. So let's say, I don't know. Let's say you haven't seen Titanic. As soon as it comes up in a conversation, you say, yeah, I've never seen Titanic. Right. Or if somebody mentions Titanic, you go, I don't know, I've never seen it. And then what do they say? You haven't seen it? Well, you got to go watch it right now. You got to do this. Let yeah. me send you the, I'll send you with my Blu-ray. Don't ever do that. Not, not because you don't love the film, but because you love the film. <laughs> like, because you might find that they're disappointed. Like, because what's iconic to you, what's huge to you, let's say, let's say that movie for you was Jurassic Park. Okay which was actually a huge turning point with CGI and things like that for movie people. Uh But uh, let's say that that was the big one. Well, your kids grew up watching maybe Jurassic World and they go back and watch the first one. It's like, "Hmm, but this is the best one. Well, and also don't be that person because let's, you you like Jurassic Park, Rochelle. So let's just pretend I haven't seen it. Yeah. I've never seen Jurassic Park. I'm struggling so hard right now not to go. You've never seen Jurassic Park. See, but if you do that, then I'm, I'm going to hear your annoying reaction and go, I don't ever want to watch that movie just because of the way that Rochelle acted. <laughs> okay, so you, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, You've but, never seen it! But it's a lot of fun. We always... What is your movie that, that people do that to you? That I've never seen? Yeah, that you've never seen that people react to you. I at, gotta what? be honest. I've seen most of them. You watch a lot well, of movies. Well, wait. I take that back. I've never seen the original Terminator. Is that right? Never okay. seen that one. And right. I, a lot of people say, what? Yeah, do that? they do that. So. One of mine is Chronicles of Narnia. And I... Yeah, uh, I do have to withhold my reaction. And here's why. Because you are decorating the baby nursery yeah. with Chronicles of Narnia That's paraphernalia, right. with Aslan and the lamppost and Lucy and... The baby's so, going to be here soon. It is more lion-based, but that's what my wife wanted, that kind of Aslan type of yes. majestic look and those that color scheme and all that. And they're, uh, his books, I mean, they've been around, obviously, for generations, but very big part of my childhood. So Yeah, C.S. Lewis is incredible. Excited to have you watch. What, what's frustrating for me, and I can say this on the podcast because I, because I can, okay. is that you started watching this movie yeah, yeah. weeks Ago. It's still in my Xbox, paused. It's only like the, maybe two and a half hours of tops. 
I don't even know uh-huh. if it's that long. And we only have about 45 minutes left, I think. And you've watched everything else under the sun. You've binge watched uh-huh. shows. Yeah. Yeah. But that one. I know. I know. But you're, and like, it wasn't like, where did you pause it? Oh, before, you know, the war. <laughs> what? How who does that? <sighs> but. I love it. I've enjoyed it. We decided that's why I wanted to watch it was because of the nursery. A guy got me going to watch it, and yeah. I, I finally, I, I love it. It's an allegory, as, as I believe the word that you used. Yes. Um, there's a lot of hidden meaning. C.S. Lewis was famously an atheist turned Christian mm-hmm. and has written so many incredible books. Mere Christianity is one of his more famous ones, uh, but obviously the Chronicles of Narnia, um, a beloved children's series. And the allegory is so blatantly obvious, its connection to who Aslan is. Well, it's it's Jesus. And he, you know, spoiler alert, he does end up dying in order to rescue others. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But then is risen. I, I noticed what really really started to um for me to take note of some of this. I was I was looking for it, but I was like, wow, I, I see what they did here. Um Peter, there's four, if you haven't seen it, there's four kids that are in, uh, you know, London. It's, I believe, during World War II. They they go to somebody's house to stay in the country away from all the bombings and stuff. I, it might be World War One. I. World I don't War One, maybe. I don't remember either. Either way, they're at this huge mansion in the country, and there's this wardrobe, and they go in, or, you know, one of the little girls goes in, and uh, there's this magical land, Narnia, that's behind the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And so now they're in this magical land. All four of them finally get into this magical land, and there is the bad... Uh, character, the White Witch, and then there's the good character, Aslan, he's a lion, and there is this war going on, and Edmund follows the White Witch. He was going to sabotage his family. And so there's this incredible scene where he realizes she's crazy, finally, Mm -hmm. and he comes back to his family, and now he meets Aslan. Again, this is the Jesus character. He meets him for the first time, and I love that the movie did it this way. Uh, they are up on a hill mm-hmm. away where we don't even get to see what's being said. Yeah. I kind of like that we don't get to see what's being said. Yeah. It makes you wonder about the kindness and what's go- what is going on, the nervousness. And so uh, they come down and here's his siblings waiting on, oh, Edmund's in trouble. Right. And I, I like what you were sharing too. It's none of our business what goes on between the Lord and others mm. per mm-hmm. se. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we're not supposed to love and intervene and love them. Yeah. Yeah. But it, what happens between them and the Lord and their uh, accountability be, to him, per, you know what I'm saying? And this is what happens right after the conversation's done. They walk back down the hill and the siblings are like, all right, what's gonna, what, who's going to say something? And Edmund doesn't say anything. And then Aslan comes and says this. What's done is done. There is no need to speak to Edmund about what has passed. His transgressions are in the past. That yes. is what's done is done. And I loved it because not only is that what Jesus does for us, is that literally God sees our sin no more when we have that relationship with Jesus. But also, this is how I need to treat other people. Because I could, vague book, they call it, Mm -hmm. you know, where you complain vaguely on Facebook and you don't name the person, but you're venting. uh, Or even something passive-aggressive email with a coworker, or you kind of are taking it out on that person with being a little snippy or sarcastic in front of other people. No, I need to have an adult conversation with that person and say, you hurt me. Can we figure this out? And after they've apologized and forgiveness and 
No, we are moving forward together. What's done is done. That is in the past. I'm not going to bring it up again and keep reminding you about that time that you hurt me. Well, let me throw this at you. What if they never do apologize? I think we need to do it. As I heard, I heard, I heard something like this the other day. Forgiveness is, is more for you than it is for the person that you're forgiving. And I think that's somewhat true. If they don't recognize. Because if they don't recognize right, that they need forgiveness or whatever. Then that would be absolutely true. But I think, I think it's also, because it always comes back, it's not this, it is freeing. It is once you finally let it go, but I don't think that's what it's what it's all for. It's the the perspective, because you think about that um, that uh, story from the the uh, parable is the word I'm looking for, where the guy owes a jillion dollars to the king, and the king decides to forgive him, forgive the debt. He was going to get thrown in jail or whatever it was. The guy goes out to the he's I mean he's he's on cloud nine. He goes out into the town and then he runs into a guy that owes him a little bit of. Money. Yeah, it's not a jillion. And it's not a jillion. And he, like, I think hurts the guy. He's like, you, you, you better give me my money. Yeah, give he me my money. throws him in jail. Hey, did he throw him in jail? Yeah. And so then the king finds out about it and goes, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> you just got forgiven so much and you can't forgive this guy that. Yeah. And then that, there's a penalty, a penalty to pay. And um, that's that's what God's done for us. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it because we compare ourselves to the worst of the worst. We compare ourselves to the murders of the world and all this. But we have done so much, the thoughts, the transgressions, the the things that we have decided, I know better than God, I'm going to do this. And God has forgiven us of that each and every day of our lives. So to not be able to forgive somebody, even when they're not asking for forgiveness, to not be able to move forward from that mm-hmm. is I'm the... I'm the idiot guy in the story, basically. <laughs> I'm the guy that's been forgiven so much and yet chooses to live in unforgiveness. It's really easy to listen to that story and, and point out the idiot. Uh-huh. But it's really not in the moment when you're upset. Well, because it's defensive. a real wrong, right? It's a real wrong How potentially. Dare they? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's not to make light of a real wound. Because maybe you really do have a real reason to be upset. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, well, and, and that's the thing. Jesus will hurt with you. Sure. If, if somebody, we've had a guy in here before that uh, he was able to forgive the person that murdered his sister. Yes. And I I don't, I can't imagine that. It was a journey for him, and, though. He, he would was, tell you. Yes. He, it was, he was a very young person when this happened, and it took more than a decade, I believe. And it was somebody invited him to their, uh, it was a, a Catholic service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think they were dedicating their life to the Lord in some way. I, I'm not familiar with the Catholic Church and how they uh, proceed with those types of things, but it was the ceremony. And he said it wasn't even so much watching the ceremony. I was just in this church and I was confronted with paintings of Jesus. And in that moment, I just it just clicked. God is real, and he had this incredible connection with the Lord. And for so long, had been pushing whatever thoughts of God aside. And he reconnects with Jesus and it's only through Jesus. And it wasn't until like a year or so, or maybe even two yeah. later that the Lord starts putting it in his heart to reach out and to forgive because he said, um, the Lord reminded him, if I can be forgiven of the things that I've done. And he did some, some soul searching. Let's just put it that way mm-hmm. in on the negative side yeah, with drugs and this and that he tried it all because he was trying to, you know, Cope. self-medicate yeah, yeah, with his pain. And uh, he said, if God can forgive me of the things I have done, isn't forgiveness something that others deserve as well? Because mm. God gave it to me, I should lend it to others. 
And so he asked other people to pray with him in this journey. And yeah, they were actually able to connect. The guy in prison didn't even answer his first his first letter because he's like, this this dude, this is a joke. Right, yeah. I murdered his sister. This isn't real. So he writes him again. And he's then he gets a letter back from the guy in prison finally. It says, I thought you were joking. Mm-hmm. And they have this, it wasn't like they were besties or anything, but this relationship of, forgiveness unfolds and it's an incredible story well and you know it can be my story and he and he i feel like he could be justified by any of us Mm -hmm. i i'll just say that if he didn't forgive the guy that murdered his sister i wouldn't bring it up i wouldn't tell it's not my place to tell him i wouldn't blame him um but what do you think in the end makes god happy i mean even if it's justified in a big way like that yeah what do you think makes God happy? That in the end, at the end of this life, that God will have them both. Hopefully, I don't know if this other guy's a believer, but but that God will have them both and go, my children, what a transgression, and yet you were able to reconcile yeah. as, as my example to you. Or do you think that God wants you to n- live in bitterness? You know, God is is very loving. He's very merciful. But just like a good parent, he has expectations for his kids too. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if I've given you grace, then I need you to give others grace. Yeah. And if you've been baptized and perhaps you understand the, the meaning of being dipped into the water, and when you come up, you're a new creation. So if you have been, um, in fact, I was reading about this example. Uh, when we dye Easter eggs, actually the dyeing of Easter eggs kind of stems from a, a pagan type of a thing, but actually one of the words used in the New Testament for baptism it means dipped and dyed, and it's talking about fabric when it would be dipped mm. into fabric dye, and then when it came out, whatever color it was before is completely changed. And so um, he used this as an example in the church and told the children that when we dip this egg, let it represent a person, and we dip it into this dye. This is us being dipped into the blood of Jesus Christ and who he is. Mm. And when we raise this egg out, it's complete its countenance has changed its appearance is completely transformed if i believe that this is who i am a new creation in in jesus then this forgiveness quote this forgiveness thing this needs to not only be well maybe it could be a thing no it needs to be my reality yeah and i need to somehow now venture towards I could never forgive that person. No, I need to get away from that mentality and go towards, all right, Jesus, how did you do it? Because you forgave me. You forgave everybody. You forgave the people who were in process of murdering you and slicing and dicing you. How do I do this? He will show me and by his spirit, it's nothing on my part, right? So I've, I've thought that was fascinating. It's a great image for me. I'm going to think about that every time I die an Easter egg. Now. Oh, that's good. I undyed eggs. Now, uh, do deviled eggs come from pagan? Because I, I thoroughly Listen, enjoy. I do thoroughly enjoy. We make angel eggs, uh, Angel right? eggs, that's right. <laughs> well, speaking of the forgiveness, this is just mm-hmm. the other thing I wanted to say. Uh, keep in mind that if you found our show from somewhere else besides Hope on Demand, stuff like this uh, is available through articles and videos, hopeondemand.com. Uh, and then that's where our podcast lives, uh, essentially. Uh, this is a question that somebody asked, is God mad at me for my sin? Mm. And I love this reaction of somebody, I actually don't know who wrote this, 
Um, but it says we cannot present a reason for Christ to finally close off his heart to his own sheep. No such reason exists. Every human friend has a limit. We've talked about that with, you know, for the forgiveness issue. If we offend enough, if a relationship gets damaged enough, if we betray enough times, we are cast out. The walls go up with Christ. Our sins and weaknesses are the very resume items that qualify us to approach him. Nothing but coming to him is required first at conversion and a thousand times thereafter until we are with him upon death. Mm-hmm. And as a kid that got saved at seven and then uh, went up front a couple of times more just to make sure. Right. And a little bit of that mindset. Well, man, I've screwed up big or I haven't lived for Jesus lately. Am I not saved anymore? Those kind of thoughts may come to mind. That is such a relieving thing that once you have that authentic belief of Jesus and it is a thing, it's going to be a daily thing of his mercies are new every day that says that for a reason that we can come back to him continually. And, and my screw ups are the resume items. I love that it put it that way that qualify us. We can't save ourselves that he's going to forgive as we spoke about earlier, over and over again. Toby Mack wrote uh, recently on a social media post, don't forget you can start late, start over, be unsure, act different, try and fail, and still succeed. Hmm. Um, I, I, I think because he knows what's in us, he designed us. Mm-hmm. He knows our frailties. Um, and he even shares, you know, you will have tribulation. Uh, there is so much grace there. And it doesn't mean that he does not want us to strive for perfection because he is perfection. And he's like, I am in you through mm-hmm. my spirit. I'm in you. But when I stumble, he is there with me in the midst of it. And the enemy wants me to think it's over. And that's not what Jesus is saying. No, let you know what, what Peter did when he stepped out onto those waves and he had all that faith. Well, I'll come walk out on the water if you say it's you. And mm-hmm. he's like, all right, come on. And he wasn't really thinking. He just jumped out there. And he was great. He was walking on the water. That's until faith. He didn't think. He started looking at the wind and the waves, the tribulation of the world, and he started to sink. But what does he do? He he yells out, Jesus, save me. And Jesus doesn't, you know, like, you idiot. Right. Why don't you yeah. keep looking at me? No, he was like, oh, buddy, you faltered in your faith. Where is it? Uh-huh. Let's work on that. But he reaches out and saves him. Doesn't you know? I doesn't yeah. condescend. So he's he's just a, he's a loving, loving God. And you know the whole forgiveness thing. Honestly, that it really stems from being offended, being wounded mm-hmm. in some way. And I was reading in my quiet time about in in Luke. Jesus says there it's going to be impossible for you not to be offended. We're human beings. We will get offended because junk happens in life and um, people say things that jar us and we're, whoa, where did that come from? And then, and we weren't expecting that and now I'm disappointed and now I, you've offended me. Mm-hmm. There's, there's all these steps that lead to offense. And I've heard it said before that that is the bait of Satan, offense. Interestingly enough, the words that Jesus uses in regards to offense um, it would have been the same wording when it talks about like trapping an animal. Oh, interesting. So there's a couple of definitions for the way that this could have been translated. One of them being, uh, yeah, to to trip up, to be, let me, let me make sure I've, I brought my thing here, to falter, to fall down, 
to lose your footing um, because that's also a great image. When I get offended, that's the potential. I'm mm. not going anywhere because mm-hmm. I've fallen here and I can't get up. And then he says, the little wooden peg that would hold up a trap in order to get an animal, you put the bait in there, the animal bumps up against that inadvertently and traps himself. That wooden peg, that would have been the same wording for offense. Mm. And I think, oh my, what an incredible visual. I am the one trapping myself because I'm offended. Yeah. And so then what do I do with that? Forgive? How do I do that? I have to tap into Jesus. I can't do it on my own. I can't. We don't know forgiveness apart from who God is. We can't. That's why people are, I will never forgive them. I don't really begrudge that person who says that, especially if they're not a follower of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. because it's impossible unless it's for the grace of God that lends that possibility to me, right? And so... I was reading about this whole thing and experiencing disappointment and how do I not get offended? And it, it even goes on to say, when I offend people, what happens when you recognize, oh my word, I offended that person? It happened not too long ago with a coworker. I had no intention of offending this person. As soon as I realized that my actions had done so, I got real defensive. That's the opposite of what you should do. <laughs> like humble yourself. If you've offended, whether you think you have a leg to stand on in the situation, well, they took it out of context. That's on them. Mm-hmm. You know, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a wound there. There's a reason why. Maybe there's a background story to the reason why they're so sensitive in that way, you know? And Jesus is like, this isn't, this life is not about you. It's about the glorification of who I am. Are you glory? Are you bringing me glory when you get defensive like that? When you find out somebody's hurt? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, somebody said a pastor in my life said, um, "We will, especially with like married couples, but for for anything, we'll want it like a courtroom. Mm-hmm. We want to we want to talk about facts over feelings, and like, well, I said this, but I told you that I was going to do this. Remember." <laughs> or I said this, but then I followed it up with that. Remember, see why your feelings are wrong. See, here are the facts. Mm-hmm. And he said, but that's not what, that's not what love is. Yeah. It's not, you know, set aside what happened for now. It may be a, a conversation where you need to say, all right, here is what I said. Maybe we didn't talk about that. Especially if it's an ongoing battle. If it's More so it's ongoing. But in the moment, immediately, mm-hmm. if my wife, I, I have this, this. Um, in fact, I've been writing, um, I want to get into this in the next couple of podcasts. I've been writing uh, notes to my future son of just life lessons I learned. Mm-hmm. One is never argue with a crying person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, and I've seen people do it, and it's just kind of a shameful thing to do because it's not recognizing that in the moment, even if they're being ridiculous, to go, I, I am sorry that you're hurting. Early on in in my marriage, you know, my I, I, it was more facts over feelings in that. Okay. And Kelsey's like, "But I want you to apologize. I want you to be sorry that I'm upset." And I'm like, "But I didn't do anything wrong, right. you know." And so it's it was that kind of situation. But I think it's it's worth slowing down and in this moment, whether they're hysterical or just sobbing, what what's going on? I'm yeah. so sorry that it came off this way. I'm so sorry that you felt this way. I'm I'm here for you. Yeah. And then we'll get all to the fact stuff later, if that's even important. It's really awesome that we're talking these things out. And it, I just want to acknowledge right now, we are not perfect at executing any of this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All the time, I 
have silly offenses. I get defensive. This is an area where I struggle. Can I, can I tell you my favorite thing that you get offended or defensive about? <laughs> what? We'll take Terminator, for example. Okay. Pretend you were going to watch Terminator this week. Okay. You, you don't do this with older movies generally, but if you're going to watch something, mm. oh, you haven't seen Terminator? Rochelle, the part. Harder. Where the guy, where don't he's jumping dare. out of the helicopter. No. What? What? I don't. I want to go in fresh. Okay, okay. Tell me. Then I won't tell you anything big. There's, no, but there is this scene anything. where he's having I a milkshake. Watch it by my, no! It's not important to the plot. <sighs> I know there's no milkshake in Terminator. <laughs> but I do. I, I've gotten upset at Carter before because he starts to unveil things. I'm like, no! <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Don't nothing. Do don't tell her anything about the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also, I, there's something else. Uh, was Mother's Day. My husband was going on to YouTube and he was looking for uh, messages specifically from Dr. Tony Evans. He's a, he's a good pastor. And he found one. Apparently, he it was just days, like I'm, and I mean, like two days, I think, after the passing of his wife, mm. that he goes and gives this message at the pulpit. And before he delivers the message, he just stops and says, "Lord, help me be able to share what I feel like I'm supposed to share right now." And I don't know how he made it through. There were a couple of times where he started crying, but just the sweetness of his testimony about his wife, this precious woman. He said. Her fingerprints are all over my life, all over. So if you've heard a message from Dr. Tony Evans, if you've seen me on TV, if you've done it, her fingerprints are all over this ministry. We were a team mm. for the glory of the Lord, you know. And what he shared was that she had fought the good fight. These are words from the Apostle Paul. And he knew in his message that he, it, that he was writing this letter and he knew that he was about to die for the cause of Christ. And he said, but I fought the good fight. And Tony, or excuse me, we're on a first name basis. Dr. Tony Evans said, <laughs> um, I knew my wife had fought a good fight. And then he says, are you in the middle of a stupid fight? Because <laughs> he says, here I am sitting next to my beautiful wife who's about to pass from my arms into the arms of Jesus. And None of the stupid fight stuff is anything that I I, I can think two cents about. It's It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there on the couch, Mother's Day, watching this message, hearing these words, and I'm like, oh, my word. Yes, I've been a part of many stupid fights, probably a couple over this weekend, maybe even one this morning. Yes, I've been a part of stupid fights. He said, fight the good fight. And then he starts pointing out good fights because what does that look like? Well, obviously, standing up for your faith, that's a good fight. Yeah. Fighting for the faith for your children on your knees, praying over them that they will follow the Lord. That is a good fight. You know, mark those things in your world that are worth fighting for and then adhere to that through Christ. Yeah. And the other stuff, we need to just release, cover with grace. If we found out that we offended somebody, don't get defensive. That's a dumb fight. Yeah. Uh, another way I've heard it put, will it matter or will you even remember dot, dot, dot in five years? And, and I got to say, some of those types of, some of those sayings are very powerful because you're like, no, that one didn't matter. But there have been some that did mm -hmm. and they, they stood the test of time, mm -hmm. but they were still stupid. They were still dumb. Well, you just made such an impression on yourself. So then, so then that's the question. <laughs> did it matter? No, you it know? didn't matter. One of, one of my friends said the biggest fight that my wife and I ever got in was over mustard. What? It was over mustard. I love it. He was making a, a sandwich mm -hmm. and uh, he put, I believe he put mustard instead of mayo or vice versa. I can't remember. Or maybe the amounts. Either way, he brings her the sandwich and she's like, there's no mustard on it. And he goes, oh, uh, sorry. Well, okay. Let me go get it. 
There's no Brent. There's never mustard on it. What's the big deal? I'll go get you the mustard. It's not about the mustard. It's that I've told you about the mustard for years. And, you know, I don't know where I went from there, but it was about listening more than it was about mustard. Exactly. And it's whenever somebody brings one of those things to your attention or if you're wanting to bring it to another's attention, get to the root of the issue. Mm -hmm. Yes. What did they really say? Yeah. What is the purpose? Am I not listening? Am I not being as attentive as I feel like I'm being in this moment? Where they're going off on me about mustard or you're the person who's upset because I have been begging for 16 years for mustard. (laughs) And for some reason, you purposefully omit this from your brain. That's the way you feel. But is that accurate? No, it may be because they've had a busy day. They've had a busy. That is one thing that they have not made a mental note. Yeah. Then I need to go back over the course of history and think of all the ways that they have made mental notes. And remind myself of the incredible ways that they have been faithful. Things fall listening. through the uh, things fall through the cracks, but yeah, where else are they? Where are they faithful? Really trying, yeah. and and they've heard you in other areas, and yeah, we're not perfect. If we put ourselves up on the pedestal of perfect, we're gonna go fail people. I I yeah yeah because I think about it. I've had bosses that you feel like they just uh, assign you new duties more and more and more, mm-hmm. and eventually you're like, I can't handle all this stuff. And to be able to remember whatever your spouse likes or even, you know, your coworker or your neighbor and all the ins and outs and trying to remember everything about their lives. We're not perfect. No. Stuff will fall through the cracks. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're works in progress. We're trying to do better. Yeah. Um, but back off the moment that you start feeling it getting heated, as difficult as this is, and I know it's hard because mm-hmm. you've got good ammo. You've got a zinger ready to go. Oh, yeah? Well, what about your mom? Well, the jerk store called. (laughs) They're running out of you. It never, ever goes anywhere good. No. And in fact, it's those little things, the little foxes that that eat away the vines, it says in Scripture. Mm. The little things that unfortunately lead to people splitting up. Yeah. Whether it's a marriage or friendships or churches or what, it's just the little itty bitty dumb stupid fights. Uh, one thing that I've been encouraged with in the last couple of years is not being rushed into a decision, and also realizing that Satan wants you to rush into a oh, reaction yeah. and a knee jerk reaction. That's his favorite jerk. Is a knee jerk. Yep. God, that's good. <laughs> God teaches patience. Satan goes into the Garden of Eden and is like, yeah, you need to to do something about this tree thing. What's going on with that? Yeah, you need to do You need to feel this way now. Feel this way now. Oh, you feel this way already? Well, you better do something about it. Go, you know, go eat that fruit. Yeah. And it's just this, uh, oh, oh, he didn't get mustard again. He didn't get mustard again. He didn't get mustard. Mm -hmm. What? Well, you better, you better let him have it. Mm -hmm. Instead of taking a beat and take, and and Mm -hmm. even going for a drive or going to the other room for a few minutes. What do you do in that beat? Personally, well, you should probably pray. What do you uh, pray? Give me patience. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me deal. Honestly, even just uh, let, you know what? I have to mow the lawn anyway. Let me just go mow the lawn. Just thoughtlessly. Think about think about what I was going to say mm-hmm. and how that would come across okay. and how I was planning to say it. And then let me back up and go. Okay. I can see how you, because a lot of times, just speaking personally, a lot of times with my wife, I thought she was mad about something ridiculous. And then I, we take it, we give it a beat and then I hear her out. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
you really do have a good point in, yeah. in this particular thing. I didn't think that you were processing it this way or that you were taking it this way. But but if I was in your shoes, I totally get what you mean. Yeah. So also realizing I don't have all the facts instantly, so I shouldn't react like I have all the facts. There are so many things you can do in the midst of taking that beat. Yeah. Praising the Lord in the midst of distress and fear, um, panic, um, reminding yourself of truths. So if it's specifically about your spouse, what have they done in the last 24 hours that shows how much they care for me? And even if it's something as simple as saying, excuse me, because maybe you feel like you're not in a loving relationship right now mm. and they walk past you and just said, excuse me. I mean, take latch on to that little piece. Yeah. Because what the, the enemy wants to do, he wants to take a giant eraser to anything good mm -hmm. and make you only see the bad and remind yourself of truth. This is what they've said in the past. This is how they continue to show their love towards me in this moment where I am feeling anger and frustration. And maybe it's been building up over time because our relationship is deteriorating or whatever it might be. Yeah. No, oh, no, yeah. no. I want to build it back up. How do I do that? Remind yourself of truth. Speak God's word over your life. Start praising the Lord in the midst of the storm. I, it's it, it's so easier to say it yeah. than to do it because for whatever reason, it's like good comfort food. It feels so good going down just to pity yourself for that, that piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then what happens after you eat a whole bag of Doritos? You're like, yep. oh. Oh, feels so good. Or right when you get that zinger and you realized in instead of what you planned, yeah. you realize the look of hurt on their face. You're devastated. The one that you <sighs> pledged yourself to. Yeah. To love, to hold, to cherish in sickness and in health. Mm -hmm. That's not just physical sickness and health. That is emotional, spiritual sickness and health. And and that's powerful and that ain't easy. And it certainly isn't hugely a part of Hollywood movie lines. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. happily ever after they got married. Nope. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, bumpy roads after happily ever after. I, it's really strange to me, too. This is on a totally different subject. But, you know, my husband asked me the other day, he's like, what is one of your favorite Julia Roberts movies? I was like, well, I, you know, the first one that came to my mind, what do you think it was? Um, Well, you know, Aaron Brockovich or Pretty Woman? Pretty Woman. Okay. Was one of the first movies that I... Why is that the standard that some of us are like, oh, I love that romantic movie. <laughs> yeah. You look at the life that woman uh, led know, and how they met. And that is not a good standard for living. <laughs> I just saying. I listen, uh, to wrap up, I probably shouldn't bring this up, but my uh, a, a friend of mine, he did get in a, in a fight with his wife the other day. Bob, oh, no. Bob and his wife, Susan. Bob and Susan. Well, see, Bob trained his chicken to talk. Oh, and, he did? Yeah, so he goes to get Susan. He's like, Susan, come out here. I trained the chicken to talk. Interesting. And she said, well, let's see. And and he's like, okay, all right. What's a male deer? And the chicken goes, book. Uh, okay. And then he goes, Bob goes, how much is 200 pennies? And the chicken goes, book, book. And then Susan, Susan wasn't liking it. She's yeah. like, this is stupid. Susan's not the only one. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then Dave said, Dave said, or, uh, Bob, what was his name? Bob. <laughs> and then Bob said, it gets better. And then the chicken said, yeah, it gets way better, Susan. <laughs> I love it. I just realized as I was laughing how much I sounded like that chicken. <laughs> <laughs>